Welcome to the Financial Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how to build your practice from startup to scale up while being the kind of coach your clients crave. Finally, a podcast for financial coaches. Here are your hosts, Maria Casillas and Cody Sizemore. Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to the Financial Coaches Podcast. Uh, My name is Cody Sizemore, and I'm always joined by my lovely co-host, Maria Casillas. Maria, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. How about yourself? Good. Not too bad. Not too bad. You know, it's a pretty good day so far. Yeah. So I can't complain. I just had COVID. I'm back into the swing of things. So I'm feeling good. We're happy to have you back, Cody. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and we also have a special guest, special guest alert, special guest wow. alert, here we go. We have Sarah Jones of Keeping Up With The Joneses and also uh, one of the co-hosts of the New Money Habits podcast as well. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, how are you doing today? Hello, hello, you guys. Um, I am doing really well. It's kind of a crazy day here in my um, household, but um, not not too bad. Feeling feeling good about everything that's going on. <laughs> that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to have you here today, Sarah. I, I have had the pleasure of getting to know you and your work over the last few months, and I'm just, I think that what you're going to bring to our audience is going to be fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to this mm-hmm. conversation today. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me here. Um, I'm looking forward to having the conversation because I think it's um, pertinent, something that we can all, you know, um, learn more about and me included. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So we were actually, was it the meetup that we, that this came Yes, up? sir. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have, so for those of you who don't know, we have a monthly um, coaches meetup uh, through new money habits Um and you can be a part of that, actually. It happens like once a month. Uh, I think it's the last Thursday, third, third mm-hmm. Thursday of every month, the third yep. Thursday. Um, and uh, you can be a part of that just by joining the Facebook group and following the link of when it comes up. Um, but we were at this last meetup, and this topic of boundaries with our clients came up. And Sarah had weighed in and kind of expressed some of the experiences that she had had. Um, and we had a really good discussion about it. So we thought, hey, like, let's just have her on the show and talk about it because it could be a really good discussion for the show as well. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, Sarah, why don't you just kind of take it away and, um, you know, just kind of explain to the to the listeners like what that what those experiences looked like and, you know, how you grew through it and what you learned through it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And, you know, I want to point out that I didn't even recognize that this was a boundaries issue um, right away. I came to the meetup in, um, you know, feeling I I had had a couple of conversations with um, one conversation was with some past clients and one conversation was with current clients and all within like two days um, before the coaches meetup. And I came to the meetup, you know, I think feeling a little bit discouraged, actually. Um, One particular conversation was with some clients that I haven't worked with for, oh gosh, going almost two years. It's been almost two years that I've worked with them. And and, um, 
and I'll just share, you know, what happened was um, I reached out um, because part of who I am as a coach, I want to stay in contact with past clients. It's, it's, I feel like that's part of just the integrity and, and you know, when our coaching um, relationship is over, um, it doesn't mean that the contact has to be over. And so I had actually reached out to them because if stayed in contact through social media, but hadn't had a conversation or an email or a text, anything with them for well over a year and a half, almost two years. And so I reached out just to say, hey, what's going on? Through the course of, you know, kind of that um, text message, hey, what's going on? Um, we got on the phone and they said, hey, we've actually been meaning to reach out to you. And I thought, oh, well, you know, uh, timing is everything, right? Mm -hmm. The universe pointed me in this direction. So, and I won't go into a lot of detail about our conversation, but what happened was at the end of it, I got off the phone with them and I was not feeling great. Um, I felt like I was giving more advice than I wanted to give. I wasn't coaching, um, and I also recognized that they are not my ideal clients anymore, that I really don't want to work with them any longer. And it's not because there's anything wrong with them. It's, it's I've grown, and I handle things a little bit differently. And I just felt like I reached out to provide service, to connect, to... Um, you know, honestly, I think prove to myself that, you know, um, hey, you know, this is part of you, who you are as a coach. And when you set out to do this, you were going to keep in contact with past clients and you haven't done that with with some of them. And, um, you know, reach out and see who, you know, how they're doing. And I just felt after I got off that phone call, I thought, Sarah, dang, <laughs> that that didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. And uh, I think I was trying to stretch in ways that were not comfortable, but that didn't need to be stretched. I think I was trying to prove something that didn't need to be proved. Mm. And what do you think? Um, what do you think that you were trying to prove? I'm just curious. You know, I think I was trying to prove to myself that I can work with anybody. And I wasn't recognizing the fact until after I got off the call that they are not my, they're not who I want to work with anymore. I don't work with um, those types of situations. And again, there's nothing wrong with them, but it's everybody's situation is different. And I was trying to prove to myself like, hey, you worked with them before. You can help them through this situation, right? You can guide them through here. And I was trying to prove that to myself on the phone call. And the truth is when I got off, I said, no, they're they are really great clients for somebody else, but they're not really great clients for me. And I'm not the, the coach for them anymore. So mm -hmm. when I was on the phone, though, it felt like I was trying to prove that to myself. Like, hey, I can still work with them. Hey, you can sign a client back again, right? <laughs> like, hey, you can have. And um, that's a huge boundary. Um, what I recognize afterwards, thanks to Maria for pointing it out, um, because it is a boundary. That, uh, that I crossed with myself when, when having that conversation. So, yeah, I think that's something that a lot of coaches, especially when they're first starting off, because I know that this is how I was. It was like, I just wanted to help everybody, you know? Um, and I think that a big part of 
growing as a as a as a coach and maturing as a coach is really understanding that one you can't have help everybody and two oftentimes you, we actually grow to not want to help everybody which is okay that's an okay thing you know and so i think that at the end of the day you did prove something to yourself you proved that you had matured as a coach mm-hmm. you know i think you are right <laughs> in that because you know i was able to recognize and i did recognize right afterwards you know sarah this is you know again there's there's a perfect coach for them out there but it's not you anymore right and um and we have been in contact afterwards um just kind of some follow up things and um you know just kind of left it as it lie so to speak um but it was a good reminder to listen to that gut right and it's a good reminder of what my boundaries are again and that I don't need to prove anything to myself um I'm there to serve and to follow up, but not try and prove something. Can I say that I love that you talk to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I love I love yeah. when you got um, off the I phone. Just, and you I said, just said Sarah? that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness, I, I do love that you do that because it it the way I was so I don't know, you may know that I homeschool one of my kids. And mm-hmm. I'm going through a training so that I can be a good homeschooler for her. And I I went through this training where they were talking about how young kids, they have to hear what they are thinking so that they can learn it. So they have to actually mm-hmm. speak out loud in order to know like what they are thinking. And, the, you know, we, we joke about how actually... I joke all the time about how we start out the way we, that we end up the way we started out, you know, with no teeth and no hair and diapers and people taking care of Mm -hmm. us and, you know, all of those things. Um, and that we, we can't always speak, you know, sometimes we're nonverbal, sometimes we don't know what we're thinking. And so I, I draw that analogy all the time. But in this training, they were saying that very much like young kids who have to speak out loud in order to know what they're thinking. As we get older, we also have to do the same thing. Now, I'm older than the two of you, and I'm not as old as they were speaking about. However, I find myself doing that more often. So I think it's fantastic that you spoke out loud to yourself to hear what it was that you were thinking, uh, because sometimes it just sounds differently when when it's audible and not just what's up in our head. So all joking aside, I really do love that you speak to yourself. You mentioned that you found yourself like giving advice and that you weren't Mm -hmm. coaching and that, that felt really, actually you didn't give a feeling. You said that you started feeling a certain way and then you didn't give a feeling. That's very common for us to do. Every time we say, I Mm -hmm. think, or I'm sorry that I feel we end it with like, and then we put on something that we think. Mm. What, if you had to put an emotion to how you were feeling at that moment, what would that be? Hmm. Well, I'll be honest. It's hard to answer that right now because it has been a while. I don't know. A couple of weeks. So I, I, I can't say exactly. Um, but from what I remember, there was a little bit of, um, some frustration. Okay. Um, 
Hmm. Despair is the word that's coming to me. Okay. And I was not going to say it, but I am going to to say it because it keeps floating around in my head. Um, I'm not 100% sure where that's coming from and where that might be attached to, but despair is, is rolling around there. So, um, and despair, and there's a that, lot really of lack of hope, right? Mm-hmm. So, so despair for whom? What's rattling mm-hmm. around in that brain? Despair for them mm-hmm. because they don't have hope for their situation. And I can see there was a lot of just the language that they they were using. They were putting the caps on themselves. They were putting the ceiling on their own situation. And um, I think frustration definitely felt for me feeling like, because I am such a different coach now, knowing that I can work through a lot of those things with them now, whereas that's not the type of coach that I was when I was working with them. So, um, you know, some of that was popping up, you know, thinking, gosh, now here's the language. Here's, I, I am way more experienced and I have a lot more knowledge and I, I feel like I'm a, a much better coach in that area now. And so, um, and I think there was some sadness there feeling like I let them down. You know, there's this little bit of letting them down a couple of years ago, even though instinctively I know I'm a different coach now, but knowing what I know, those feelings still came to the forefront. Right? I, it, it I hear still guilt. Is, is out. I, I know you didn't say mm. guilt, but that's one of the emotions mm-hmm. that I hear coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's probably some guilt in there. Yeah. Feeling like I didn't serve them as powerfully as, as I know I can now. Mm-hmm. And um, recognizing again that I'm a different person now. And so... Um, I think I served them very powerfully then, but I think there's some guilt now thinking, had I stayed in touch with them over, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and seen some of the growth, maybe we could have, maybe their situation could have been steered in a different direction than what they're, they chose to do. That's got to feel very frustrating to know that you serve them super well you know you could serve them better now, and yet they're not your ideal client. And so you, you mm-hmm. can't, right? I mean, so what what do you say to the coaches out there who start to have some of those revelations? Like, okay, I'm learning and I'm growing. And we say on this podcast all the time, Sarah, that if you're not learning and growing, then you're not helping anybody. So you've never just mm-hmm. arrived as a coach. As you are learning and growing and also recognizing that there's a shift in who your ideal client is and who you enjoy working with, what do you say to that coach who's listening today who's trying to kind of piece all of that together and figure out, well, how, how am I going to, how am I going to rectify all that? Mm-hmm. Well, first I want to call out when you said, you know, that I can't, right? And I certainly can, but I'm choosing not mm-hmm. to. Um, and that's, so I just want to kind of push back on that a little bit that I, I can, but I'm choosing not to. Um, I think that it's always about learning and growing and first and foremost, learning and growing about who I am and how I want to, I think it goes back to a lot of the integrity, um, and how I want to speak out into the world and how I want to show up 
in the world. Um, and I'm really showing up for myself first and then showing up for everybody else secondly. And it doesn't serve anybody for me to be showing up trying to correct a lot of things that don't necessarily need to be corrected. Mm -hmm. Um, with those particular, does that make sense? Like I, I can't correct that situation now. I can only move on because I am different mm -hmm. now and I can still, and we do still stay in touch, but it's different. It's not in the, I want to stay in touch to have them become clients again. It's that I'm staying in touch because I think there's always nuggets that they could pick up or that I can still learn from their situation. So I, I am still picking up things by watching them go through what they're going through. And it allows me to then be able to take that and carry forward. Um, how can I possibly guide people differently? Or what can I bring to maybe a similar situation, right? Because I've gained that knowledge um, from these past clients. Yeah. Does that answer your question? I, I think I got maybe a little lost in that too. <laughs> no, no, you're good. So, um, so you're just restructuring the boundaries is what's happening in mm. that. And, and I'm really glad that you brought it back to the boundaries situation because that's kind of what we're talking about today. It's not, it's not that you can't, it's that you decided not to. And it's because you chose to restructure your boundaries. And mm -hmm. so anybody who's listening today, I want you to know that. And one of the things that we haven't really talked about yet is that we don't really have any control over what they do. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that, that I think that's another really, really big piece in all of this. It's so easy for us as coaches to get lost in feelings of guilt or the what ifs, or I should have done this, or I could have done this. And so often when we do that, we are taking on way too much credit, mm. not only for <laughs> their failures, but also for their successes. And it's not ours to have. Right. That's something that <clears throat> I've had to grow through uh, with my coaching journey is I have had to come to terms with myself that I'm coaching not to gain something for myself or to prove something for myself, but more so for the client, you know, so, so kind of like what you said, Maria, like, you know, if I want to sit here and I want to take credit for helping someone, you know, pay off a certain amount of debt or, you know, helping someone buy their first house or, you know, whatever it might mm -hmm. be, then I also have to take credit for when a person, you know, might potentially just go totally off the rails or, uh, you know, have a, have a outcome that maybe isn't ideal. Um, but if I don't want to take credit for that, then I also can't take credit for the success either, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think that that's the, it's, it's the, it's where I think that we as coaches blur the lines between our role of being the hero versus the guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause I feel like we really want to be that hero, but it's not our journey. Mm-hmm. It's their journey. I really, really like how you just said that. That it's not our journey. Mm -hmm. It's not our job because it's not our journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. when it comes to identifying some of that with our clients, let, let me back up. I think some of the ways that the reason that we blur some of those is because we don't do a very good job identifying those boundaries with our clients. So that's, that's really what I want to say. What are some ways that we can start to lay that track a little bit better? And I, so I'm going to use the analogy of a train track. I have some clients who are like, you know, they had some epiphanies and like, we're going to get this train back on track. And I'm like, dude, we need to lay the tracks first. <laughs> like, we, like we're not, we can't get back on track until we know what you're going to stay on. And so that's really, we're just going all the way back to the basics with them <laughs> and actually trying to lay new tracks for them. How do mm -hmm. we do that with our clients and for ourselves so that we know when we're kind of, you know, derailing a little bit so that we can more quickly get back onto that rail and serve them better. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, are you asking, so I want to make sure that I'm understanding. Are you, are you asking more about how do we know what we, our boundaries are? And so if, if we're starting to um, boundaries are starting to slip or we go outside of our boundaries, right? What do we need to do to get back on that? Or are you asking more um, if our clients, hmm, how do I want to say this? I'm sure it's the latter of what you're, where you're going. How do we communicate mm -hmm. with our clients and establish those boundaries with them in the early stages of our relationship? So that not only we, but they also know when things are starting to feel a little bit off. Like if you are starting mm. to give more advice rather than coaching and they recognize that, that they're able to go, oh, but that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> we might be a little mm. uncomfortable with them doing that. <laughs> but ultimately, that's what I want to empower my mm. clients to feel comfortable doing. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm asking. So. Okay. Okay. And you know, one thing that I've started doing, which I feel really good about, and I think the clients feel really good about, because I don't feel that with my coaching specifically, I don't focus just on numbers. We get very much into mindset and language and communication and um, vision and, and the numbers are, 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 our numbers and our finances are a small piece of that. And how do they fit into the bigger picture? But what I tell my clients from the very beginning is, um, and I, I kind of lay this out as um, what I require of my clients. And one of those, well, I'll go through the, the four that I generally say is um, I require my clients and I'll tell them and I'll, I'll speak it. Say what I require of you is that you show up for yourself on time and prepared for every session. I am... Um, gosh, what are, what are the things I say now? I, I've just lost it. So showing up for yourself. So I don't want them to think that they're showing up for me, that they are showing up for themselves, um, on time and, um, you know, ready. Um, I tell them to show up bravely, um, and in the safe place so they can allow themselves to pull out their vision. Um, show up with their action items done and any questions or concerns that have come up in the, the past couple of, um, you know, since our, our last session. I tell them that the magic happens in between sessions, that um, they take their insights that they gain from each session and then apply them 
to life. And then um, lastly, communication. That communication is big. That I do not expect them to like me during a lot of this. That there will be sessions that are going to be very difficult. That they're going to have a lot of emotions and a lot of things that come up. Um, that I will ask permission to go deeper into certain situations and they um, are in control of that, of how deep they want to go. And they need to feel like, and tell me, nope, this is my boundary. This is, I, I'm not going there with you. Um, and I always say the communication is probably the biggest piece of that, that you need to let me know that if any time something doesn't sit right and it doesn't land right, let's talk it through because I want to make sure that we're not, um, breaking any boundaries that you have or any boundaries that I have. Mm -hmm. And so those are kind of the things that I go through with. Um, and I'll, I say clients, but it's really at um, consultation time when they've said, yeah, we, we want to work with you. I go through that, um, those things at that time. So we're setting it before anything else has taken place. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I really like some stuff in there. I'm going to actually turn it over to Cody first and see if he has anything to add to that before I pull out some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I think that a good way of setting um, a boundary when you're first starting is just making sure that you, that your clients understand that at the end of the day, they're the boss. I tell my, I tell my clients that all the time. They're like, well, what should we do? I'm like, what do you want to do? You know, it's your money, mm -hmm. you know, like you're the boss, you know? And, and I tell people all the time, like, you know, if I, if I were to give, you know, a piece of what we would call advice, I always end it with saying, but you don't have to do that. You're the boss. It's your money. This is just what I think might be beneficial. Um, so I think that a good way of viewing it, and you could even like discuss this with your clients, especially early on is just say like, Hey, you're in the driver's seat. You know, you're the one who has the hands on the wheel. You're the one who has the hands or your feet on the uh, accelerator and the brake and you can turn your turn signals on and all that kind of stuff. You're in control, but we're in driver's ed and I'm in the passenger seat along for the ride telling you, you know, um, hey, watch out. This is a one one way street. Make sure you don't turn left on this street uh, like that kind of thing. And every once in a while, I might hit the extra brake just in case, you know, to save us from an accident. Um, but, but at the end of the day, they are the ones in the driver's seat. Um, and I think that if they understand that, then it's, it's an empowering thing for your clients. And the second that we start to potentially cross that boundary, um, you know, the client then has the power to say like, Hey, like I'm, I'm the driver. I'm the one uh, calling the shots. Like, you know, you're here to help guide me, but I don't think I really want to go there. Um, so can we figure out a different way? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and that's totally fine. Totally fine. I love that you went to the And I will say too. Yeah. It, sorry, Maria. That, that's okay. I, no, say, I love that. Yeah. And, and I know that I, I love that, um, analogy too. And I was going to say that, you know, I think that's, you know, I, I go through those things kind of at the the beginning of the relationship, but throughout coaching, it's almost every session that we have, right? There's, it's kind of bringing it back up, right? And, and a lot of times I will say, you know, well, let's look at maybe some different options, right? Or I'm going to throw this out and see where it lands, 
right? Mm-hmm. I, I say that a lot and I tell them all the time, I'm, I'm not here to be right. I'm here to just change your perspective and to open up maybe some different opportunities for you. And then, um, you know, and then we just kind of go through that. So I think it's, and to Cody's point too, it's always letting them know that they are in the driver's seat, that I'm here to maybe open their perspective, but it doesn't mean they have to jump in. It doesn't mean it's, you know, they have to take it, that um, it's a continual thing that we go through almost every session. Um, And that builds trust along the way as well. Right. And that's a big thing. So, yeah, sorry to interrupt Maria. I know you, you had some things. to. Oh, it's okay. That's one of the things when we record, when we're, when we're all far away and those connectivity issues, it seems like we're interrupting, but it's not, we're just, we're just all jumping at the same time. No problem. Um, first I want to say, Sarah, I love that you brought up cause I was, I was keeping my mouth closed until someone else said it. Having to do it throughout the process is so important mm-hmm. because we can't just lay the tracks and then be like, y'all remember the tracks, right? I mean, we're just, we're just going to assume that. No, they, they don't remember the tracks and they, it's, it's all new to them. And so what I was going to say is that I was really glad that you brought up the driver's ed thing because that's exactly where my mind went, but it went in a slightly different direction. If I'm being entirely honest, first, I want to tell you, I am in the process of training my second driver. This is what happens. Um, Sarah knows this. She's, she's no, she knows. Um, so I'm in the, I'm in the process of training my second one and I don't have one of those fancy little pedals on the right hand side. So there is no, there is no breaking to save our lives. (laughs) Cody, I'm just giving you the heads up (laughs) that, uh, sometimes I scream like, Oh geez, help us. There, there is some of that going on. And so if I were to use that analogy with my clients, I might say, I might freak out a little bit. Like you might see me going, because oh, I know what's about to happen, right? <laughs> then it's usually to preserve my life and or yours. <laughs> but I can't press the pedal. I don't have that pedal to press. So that is one slight difference. However, I wanted to bring up how I'm training my daughter. And also I mentioned I'm homeschooling. So this, even though I'm training a 15-year-old how to drive, I'm training my nine-year-old how to write. And I'm training her how to write cursive because it's a lost art. And I think that she needs to have it. She needs to know how to read, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and all those things. Um, So anyway, I am teaching her that. And both of these things have something in common. And it's called muscle memory. And I have told my nine-year-old that she's like, mom, why do I need to just trace this? I'm not writing anything. It drives her insane that she's not getting anywhere. She's literally tracing an L, just tracing an L and just, just keeps doing it. She's like, why? Like, it's not, I'm not making words. I'm not even writing letters. Like, why am I doing this? And I said, baby girl, I want your mind to remember what to do so you can think about something else. If we can train your brain to just make an L, you're not going to have to think about that anymore. And you're going to be able to think about what it is that you actually want to write. And so when we're in the parking lot and I tell my daughter, take a left right here. Like we're in a parking lot. There's no one around us because I don't want to pay for anyone else's damage at this point. Um, so <laughs> no one's around us and she knows there's no one around us. So I'll say, okay, we're just going to turn left up here. And she'll start to turn. I'm like, where's the blinker? Mom, there's no one here. No one needs to know. And I said, this is not about anybody else. This is about muscle memory. This is about you having your hand every single time you're going to turn. You're telling your brain, I'm putting that blinker on every single time. You're checking blind spots every time. She's like, but the thing tells me. I'm like, I'm not worried about the thing. Someday the thing could go out and you need to be in the habit of checking. And so 
our clients are in the same position. We're trying to help them change habits, right? I mean, the, the whole umbrella that we're talking about is new money habits. That's It's muscle memory. So as we are working with clients, it's not just, we're not advising them to do such and such. We're just reminding them, okay, where do you want to go? What do you want to be able to do? So for my young daughter, it's, I want to be able to write a word in cursive. That's the goal, right? One word in cursive. Okay. So we're going to have to learn how to write the letters and we're, we just have to train our brain to do that. And then to keep going one letter and then two letters. If someone wants to go somewhere, we have to teach them how to use the blinker, how to use the, you know, how to, I'll, I'll be driving, I'll be riding with her and I'll be like, okay, there's a kid, you know, and she'll be like, there's no kid. I'm like, just slam the brake. Like there's a kid, like a kid could totally jump out in front of you right now. Pretend for a second there's a kid. So we'll, we look, oh, it's so funny. We look, we're doing like one of these things, you know, like throughout the entire, <laughs> for those of you not watching YouTube, you just missed out. Um, <laughs> so we're, it's, it's just mm -hmm. to like, you know, if someone says heads up, you know, you need, your mind needs to just hit that break. Like that's what we want to be able to teach them. And so it's the same thing with our clients. There are certain things that we just want muscle memory. So if it is, putting aside a certain percentage of their take-home pay to pay themselves first, you know, into a savings account. Or if it is, mm -hmm. um, you know, giving to somebody in accordance with their values. That's something that we just want muscle memory so that they're able to do those things without coming and asking us for that help. But in order to lay those tracks with them, we have to know what those things are first. Mm-hmm. Yep. And doing it consistently, because if you don't do it consistently, then you might end up like me and I don't use my blinker. <laughs> and so we just <laughs> swear at you about all the time. <laughs> not yeah. not even personally. I never drive. I am that guy on the <laughs> See, I'm just trying to help prevent more Cody's out there. Uh, that's right. But no, Watch in, out. In, in all seriousness, I think that that's really what it comes down mm -hmm. to is muscle memory. We could play with the analogies all day. Um, but you guys understand what I'm saying. I think our listeners understand what I'm saying. Uh, and so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really love that you guys set those boundaries in the beginning and then that you're willing to be consistent with them. Um, but I, I think the other thing that we need to make sure we're doing if we're going to stick with that analogy is help them recognize that the reason we want to do this, this muscle memory so much is because stuff happens. And, you know, if you don't know how to steer a car really, really well and confidently, and then you get a blowout, you're not going to know what to do when that happens. And so we don't want them to have to think, oh, okay, there's a blowout. And so now I need to pull over to the side of the road. So now I have to turn on my blinker and then I have to put like, we just want them to be like, oh, crap, and turn on the blinker and move, right? Like, <laughs> those are the mm -hmm. things that are happening for our clients. And so we want to make sure we're doing that with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a good sign that you're not um, being consistent with this enough throughout your coaching is that if something were to happen, such as a blowout or an unexpected expense or, you know, an unexpected event that may throw them off of their track and then they get so far off and they just come to you and they're like, I don't know what happened. I don't even know what to do anymore mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. thing. That's a really good sign that maybe you need to be a little bit more consistent with things uh, because you're setting them up to have that, su that success, but it's going to be temporary because the, the moment that something doesn't go their way, they're going to be off track. And not only they're going to be off track, but they're going to have a hard time getting back on it mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. 
So that's a really good sign that if that does ever happen to you, which, by the way, it probably will at some point, um, then just make note of it and just be like, okay, cool. We need to go back to the basics a little bit. Yeah, I I will add. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm pushing back or if I'm just adding to that. I think I don't think you're wrong that it's a good sign that you're not being consistent enough. But I do think there are times when that stuff happens early. So that's one thing to keep in mind when when those you know unexpected things happen early. Uh, that they will likely fall off track regardless of how consistent you've been because you haven't really had a chance to teach them muscle memory for long enough because it is a long game, right? That's sure. that's one thing to mm-hmm. keep in mind. Um, but the other thing I want to add to that, Cody, is that if they are coming back to you and saying, I don't even know what to do, I'm so far off track, I think you've actually done a pretty damn good job. And the reason I say that is because they're willing to come back to you and say, I don't know what to do. And so I think... No, so I have another kid. I didn't know that this was going to turn into an episode about my children, but I just have children in all different <laughs> stages of life right now. So we literally just dropped off our child, at, my first one, at college. And there's that whole idea of they're going to make mistakes. And we as parents mm-hmm. have to just let them make some of those mistakes and then know that if we've done a good job, they're going to come back to us. And they're going to figure out how do we navigate that with the help from somebody that they know, like, and trust even if we were just kind of handed to them, right? Um, Sometimes they still know, like, and trust us. And so I think that if you have a client who is coming back, I don't, as as listeners, I don't want you to think that, I don't want you to be so discouraged, like, oh, I'm not doing the right things. I, I must not be doing this consistently enough because now they fell off. Celebrate that they came back to you and then use that. And this is right in line with what Cody's saying. Use that as a learning experience to help them grow and learn from that so that they will not maybe fall as hard and as fast next time and still get up and come back to you. Well, can I even add to that too? Because I I had some clients that I worked with um, that I'm recognizing now that um, our focus was so hard and so like blinders on to get out of debt that them being debt free now, they, they actually came back and said, I have, we don't know what to do. We feel lost. And so I want to say that, you know, I think part of it is consistency. So they built some of that framework, but we, our focus was so with the blinders on right to what we're doing that we didn't, I don't think put enough emphasis on really what the vision is and what does this mean going forward and what now does this allow you to do? Because we, we worked so much with um, really getting those basics down and let's, let's focus, focus, focus on get out of debt, get out of debt. Right. And so we're now working through and trying to pull out that vision. So I think it's consistency doing it, but also looking at vision going forward and why, what is the point of all of it, right? What It's not just getting out of debt. It's not just getting a budget. There really are a lot of pieces to everybody's journeys and to be able to see um, and help them pull out their vision of why this is important now so they don't lose track of what they're trying to accomplish in life. Um, and um, so I think they can come back for a lot of reasons. Um because I've just had it happen. Yeah, I agree. And I know you don't listen to this podcast all the time, um, but I was that client. I mean, I wasn't your actual physical client, 
But I was the client that you just described. And I actually talk about mm-hmm. that, I think, in our first episode. I'm not even sure. Um, but it, there, we went through that whole debt-free journey. You know, we had a $93,000 turnaround. And I explained in one of the episodes that I would listen to the radio show where people would call in and do a debt-free screen. <clears throat> and I would literally get goosebumps when they would do it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, if I can feel this way for them, imagine how amazing I'll feel when it's us. Mm-hmm. And we got there and I'm like, all right, so <laughs> now what, you know? Mm-hmm. And and it really did lack a lot of that purpose and vision and, and just drive like that. The drive was to get something done. That was the, that was the chase. It, the chase was just mm-hmm. excitement of just getting to a specific spot, but it absolutely lacked the purpose behind it. And that is when I had my existential crisis and turned everything around and and decided to do things the way I do now. And numbers are literally just a measurement of our success and not not the basis at all. Uh, So I I understand what you're saying. I live what you're saying. And I'm so thrilled that you are having that experience with your clients because I really do believe that in this financial coaching world, that is what we're going to be doing. And even outside of the financial coaching part of it, if we're doing any amount of coaching, I really believe that that our money is an indicator of a lot of other things that are going on in our lives. So even if somebody comes to us mm-hmm. for something that has nothing to do with money, we might see the results of that, what we're doing with them in their numbers eventually. Uh, so I just think that this, this approach is going to be revolutionary for our industry and for individuals all around. Mm-hmm. I would, I would totally agree. Um, and this is not financially related, but it's it's in the same mindset. Um, so, Sarah, you kind of you kind of mentioned the importance of talking about a vision and, and figuring out like not just what we want, but also like why we want to do it. We've mm-hmm. talked about that kind of stuff on this podcast before, um, actually several times. And the reason that we talk about it so much is because it's so important. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so important. In fact, it's probably more important than the actual numbers to be Mm -hmm. honest with you um and i think that you know for anyone who's listening who either is like a brand new coach they're just starting or they you know maybe have a few clients or they're in their first year of coaching and they're still trying to figure out like their their like sweet spot or whatever do not overlook what sarah just said do not overlook that because what she just said is probably the most important thing of this entire episode. Um, because where I'm going with this is like, so even in, in my own journey, um, not my financial journey, but I've been on a, my own journey this last year with my health. Uh, over the last year, I've lost 80 pounds. And my entire life, I have struggled with my relationship with my health always going up and down, up and down, up and down. But it was always chasing a number. I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to lose 40 pounds. I want to get down to this weight, blah, blah, blah. It was never about why do I want to lose this weight? Mm-hmm. How do I want to feel? Who Who is counting on me for this? You know, like mm-hmm. when I had a family, it changed. When I had a baby, it changed. Um, you know, when I got older, I'm turning 29 next month. <laughs> I'm getting old. Aww. Sarah, do you uh, want to jump through the computer and choke him too? Because I do. Yeah. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> right? So I'm like, all right, cool. You know, like I gotta like start taking this more seriously. 
And when it was more about the vision and the why behind it, that's what actually stuck. Because I'll be honest with you, with me having COVID this last week, I wasn't able to go to the gym. Um, you know, I got off my program, like literally like the day before I got COVID or actually it was the same day. So, you know, I kind of entered this like season of like, I completed this program. I lost all this weight. I'm going to celebrate for a short period of time and then go back into it. Right. Well, my wife brought home five pints of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, (laughs) which I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Ben and Jerry's is the worst ice cream for you. Like a pint is like 1200 or 1300 calories. It's ridiculous. And I sat there and I ate an entire pint. And then before that, I didn't have the energy to cook. So my wife ordered pizza, you know, so I had pizza and then I had ice cream and I was like, okay, got it. During the moment, it felt great. The next day, I was pretty upset with myself because, one, I didn't feel good, and two, I had gained some weight back. But then later on that next day, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and beat myself up because, one, it's okay that I had like that momentary lapse right after doing, quite frankly, so well for a long period of time. And again, I'm not just doing this to see a number on the scale. I hit that number, but that's cool. I just want to keep doing this because it makes me feel better. And I know that it's going to be better for my family. I know that I'm going to be a better example for my kids. That's why I want to get back on track. Not because I saw a number on the scale change. And that that's going same with your finances. Like Just because you saw you know, your debt go down or your savings go up, and then something happened that messed that up in some way, that doesn't mean like, oh, well, everything's just off the window. I might as well just give up and just keep going down this path because it didn't work, I guess. Like, no, like you can just take a second and say, okay, well, that number changed in a way that I didn't like seeing it. Something happened to cause that. But why am I doing this? What's my vision? Remember that, get plugged into it, and then just start executing again. Yeah, and put those together very, very, like, Quickly and closely. So the number is feedback. And I Mm -hmm. like what you said. We said something caused that to happen. Now, I agree that we don't want to sit and focus on what the, at the actual number, but, and the, the, it's just, it's just feedback. That's just the number. But that part right before that is super important. Something caused that to happen. And so if you can decide what is that something, and then how did that make me think and feel? Mm-hmm. Is that in alignment with how I want to think and feel? Is it going in the right direction? If the answer to that is no, then the part we need to look at is that something that caused it. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. there are individuals who only focus on the numbers. And then there are people who only use buzzwords like mindset and feeling and why. But if they don't focus on that thing that caused that number to change, then all you're doing is basically really expensive and in effective therapy. Like, I just know what I'm feeling. I'm journaling. Like, that's all that is. That's not, there's not going to create any change that way. So I think that the most important thing you said in there is there's something that caused that change. Mm -hmm. That's going to be such important information for us as coaches, when we can help our people figure out what is it that caused that change. 
that's where we know what to how to change it and move forward, right? Okay, right. go ahead. Sarah, right. you can I can tell you want to helping our clients well, and I was just going to say in helping our clients determine what their boundaries are, right? It's it's about kind of setting those boundaries with their money too, right? And and what feel and I'm going to say what feels good and what doesn't, but what is happening in that hey, this feels really good, so how does that translate to what our our month looks like? What does that, you know, how does that translate to um did I say I wasn't going to buy any clothes this month and I spent $500 on clothes, right? So what happened? Where did the boundary break down? Where's the vision? What caused that um, little blip in the road, right? And it's it's about recognizing that so you can address that piece of it to be able to move on. And I think part of that is boundaries with themselves, right? And where do I need to set boundaries? Where can I set some boundaries within my, for myself, but within my marriage and let's work together because as a married couple too, when we're working with couples, um, you know, as a coach, helping those couples set some boundaries together is really important um, and communicate why those boundaries, why they need those, why they, they feel that that's going to make a difference in their life. Yeah. I agree. And I'm really glad you brought that up. I think that that is such an important part of this conversation. And it brings us back to the beginning of this conversation when we talked about how do we set boundaries for ourselves and then also for our clients, because that is just us modeling for them how to do that. And that's such an important thing to model because of what you just said, Sarah, that they're going to need to be able to do that, not just for themselves, but for their spouses or with their spouses in their marriages, so on and so forth. And, um, you know, we, we need to be able to model that because we, we need in order to learn, this is another little tidbit that I'm learning in my training. And it's funny because I'm not learning it for the first time, but it's, I'm hearing it again in a different light. And it's just that idea that in order to learn, we absolutely must imitate. Mm. And I see, like, I see it. My three-year-old, she drives my nine, my nine-year-old crazy because she's like, oh, mama, she's always copying me. I'm like, she's learning from you. And that's how, that's how we learn. And the same things are happening. You know, I copy Cody. Throwing that out there. I copy Cody. Good job, Cody. <laughs> I copy Cody, except when it comes to turning the blinkers on, because I actually do do that. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, if there's something that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's mm -hmm. absolutely brilliant. Can you help me do that? Can I copy you? We imitate that which we want to become, and I think that that's so amazing. We none of us is none of us gets to where we're going in a vacuum. We just don't. We need each other. We need mm -hmm. to be able to copy each other and imitate and. And so um, I think it's actually kind of cool that we see that not just with each other, but realizing that that's what we need to do for and with our clients. We need to model mm -hmm. the stuff that we want to see them do so that then not only can they imitate us, like we give them permission, we actually suggest that we don't say it out loud, but that's what we're doing. We're, we don't tell them what to do. We show them what to do. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I share a lot of my own story with a lot of my clients. So I'm very, you know, I'll say I'm very vulnerable and let them know the conversation that I had yesterday with my husband. Did it go well? Yeah. Did it not? They're going to hear it too, because it's about showing real life and what this journey can look like and what it does look like for me. Um, but it's also about 
modeling, right? I'm not asking my clients to do, or I'm not throwing things out there that I'm not actually doing myself. And I want them to know that. And I want them to feel it. And I want them to see it. And I want them to hear it and all of those things. Right. And so, um, when I'm working with clients, they get my real life situations and real life stories. And, um, because it's important to me to be walking my walk and talking my talk, it's all the same. And as I'm learning, I want to be able to show my clients that I'm still learning in some of this, right? That there's new seasons of life that I'm living right now that I'm learning how to navigate. Never been in this situation before. How do I navigate it? I understand you're in a new situation, so how do we navigate it? One thing I've always loved about you, Sarah, is your vulnerability, your willingness to be vulnerable with not just your clients, but with the other coaches that are in our group as well. I'm going to say a quiet part out loud. It's something that I, I know that you already know. I know you already do. I'm just saying it out loud for those who are listening. When we are willing to share what's going on in our own lives, we really do need to be careful to make sure that they know that their journey will look different. And when we are modeling things, I want to make sure that we are modeling <clears throat> processes, maybe. Um, we're, modeling, we're modeling ideas, but that they don't feel that they need to copy everything that we do and or mm -hmm. that they're going to end up with the same results as, as we end up with. Uh, and I, I just, again, I just want to say that quiet part out loud because I think it is so easy, especially if we're newer in the coaching arena, to um, to just fall into that trap of what works for me works for them and or that the results are going to be the same. And if we don't let them know ahead of time that this is just all of the things that you just said, the reason I'm sharing this is so that you can see things happening in real time, so that you can know I'm learning also, that I'm constantly growing. That's a different thing than... Um, them setting themselves up to compare their results to your results or to compare mm -hmm. the outcomes to your outcomes. I just, I wanted to say that. So those who are listening, and again, I know you already know that, but those who are listening, that's just, that's a, it's one of those lines that I think can get blurred very easily, mm -hmm. especially if we're looking at that uh, hero versus the guide. Right. So mm -hmm. thank you for allowing me to say that out loud. Well, and thank you for bringing that back to, to my attention too, because they think that that is an unspoken thing. And, and, um, I, I speak it out loud to my clients, you know, and, and it's a lot of times I'll say, you know, what might this look like? Right. Or, um, you know, how can we apply this or what do you think, you know, what pieces did you pull out of that, that, that then we can apply to your life and how, you know, how does that look for you going forward? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a lot of my story, what I'm sharing with them is, is that not for them to copy because I don't want anybody to copy because look, number one, I've done a lot of really stupid things and please don't copy all of that because it's going to make your life really, really hard. And that's why I decided to become a coach is so I could help people not have to go through all of those really, really difficult times. <laughs> so don't copy everything that I did, but, um, you know, I think, uh, thank you for, for speaking that out loud because it, it's, I do try and um, have that conversation with my clients that I don't want you to copy me, but this is how I do it. And this is what works. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and then we come up with something that may work for them and try it out. And if it doesn't, then we're going to come up with something else that may work. And 
see what, um, see where it all lands. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the time and realizing we could all talk forever about this and just about <laughs> anything. Um, but in the interest of time, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we, we do kind of wrap things up now. Um, is there anything, any cherries on top that you want to throw on either Sarah or Cody onto this conversation that has been, I think, pretty interesting? I'll throw out that I think it's important for us to really listen to ourselves and listen to your gut when you're having a conversation, when you are, um, whether that be an initial phone call, whether it be call it a consultation, call it a session with a new client, call it somebody that you used to work with several years ago. Um, I think really listening to your gut is important because I have not listened to my gut in a lot of situations. And I, that was kind of one of those things that I wish because listening to my gut lets me know that maybe I am um, breaking a boundary that I've set for myself. Hmm. And I think it's important to honor that and honor. If you're not feeling great about a conversation, then don't be afraid to acknowledge that. Don't be afraid to acknowledge the energy in the room. Don't be afraid to acknowledge, you know what? I don't like the way this is going. What can we do differently here? But just really listening to your gut. Um, because if you're breaking boundaries a lot and you're not listening to your gut, um, I think you're you're doing yourself a disservice along with whoever it is that you're talking with. So just the last tidbit is really listen to yourself with those boundaries. And and um, it's powerful. It can steer you. Your gut can steer you in a lot of really great directions if you let it. Yeah, I personally don't have too much more to add. Um, I will double down with listening to your gut in the sense that if you've listened to this entire episode, that tells me that you liked it because it was an hour long. And my gut is telling me that you should join our Facebook group, which is called New Money Habits Financial Coaches. So you should listen to your gut and listen to my gut because, you know... We just want all the guts, all right? <laughs> oh, and you're just saying that because you ate pizza and Ben and Jerry's the other day. <laughs> but seriously, that you know, we we love seeing uh, new coaches join that, um, and we actually really love seeing new coaches not only join it but also get like involved in there mm-hmm. too. Um, there's been more and more people kind of like breaking out of their shell, and they're like posting in there and they're messaging people, and it's just a cool place to be. So. Join in, hop on the next meetup, because again, this is how this entire conversation started. And, um, you know, let's, uh, let's chat. So thank you guys for listening for this hour long episode, Sarah, thank you so much for being a part of it. This was honestly like really, really good. A lot of really good conversations in this. Um, and we're excited to have you back in the future. Thank you both for having me. It was a pleasure. So thank you everyone. Um, Looking forward to meeting you all. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your week. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Financial Coaches Podcast, brought to you by New Money Habits and Sizemore Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our hosts by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes and join our growing group of like-minded coaches on Facebook. And until next time, Happy coaching. Music provided by Summer School.